What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Raised a Geek podcast, issue number four, where geek is all we speak. We have a packed show this week, including Falcon and Winter Soldier episode four, The Whole World is Watching. Sony betting only on developing games they think are too big to fail, and everything we are geeked out for this week. And by we, I mean Chris. And Don. Let's go. All right, man, we're back. We're back. How's it going, Don? How's your week? Uh, hey, what's up, Chris? Everything everything is good so far, my man. Just uh, another Saturday recording the podcast, having yep. fun. I got my got my Kona Brewing IPA. Oh, nice Hawaii Hawaii beer. I have I've had those. Those are that's a nice uh, smooth beer right there. Yeah, they, they had like I like getting those variety packs. You get okay. the twelve bottles of like you know here's a couple IPAs here's a couple pails here's a couple lagers some blondes you know whatever, and uh, trying it out. This one had two IPAs in it, which is kind of cool. So trying the different different nice. things. Nice. I had I remember buying a variety pack of that like while we were on vacation in Florida, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, this is a cool uh, Florida beer like made in Hawaii. This is uh, they must have this just here. But then I like came back to Illinois and saw them everywhere. I was like, oh, I guess these have wide. Uh, widespread distribution that's that's one of the funnest things to do uh when you go out somewhere go to a new city a new state a new wherever even when i go home to chicago always hit the liquor store or the uh just wherever you can get beer i know i know up there you can go to just the jewel osco and you can get liquor and everything down in texas we have to go to a liquor store we have to you know if you want liquor you got to go to a liquor store if you want beer you go to the you can get that at the grocery store. You know, we, I go up there and go to Target and I can just buy a bottle of Jack with my, you know, my air fryer or whatever, which is <laughs> kind of weird for me. Get a new T-shirt, new pants, groceries. All this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. buy, a, buy a video game while you're buying your uh, yeah. steak. Yeah, yeah, steak <laughs> and then, you know, to my Jack. Yeah. Uh, but I always like looking and seeing what, especially the local, something that's locally brewed is yeah. really cool to be able to do on top of uh, just seeing what this distribution is always different. So it's kind of a cool, totally cool, cool fun to see thing, what the locals drink. Right. I'm, I'm, I agree with that. Every time we'd go to Florida, I go check out the local tap rooms and a lot of good stuff that you can't get at home. And then you're like, man, I wish, I wish I could get this at home, but it's, yeah. it's crazy like that. And then you're like, should I buy a pack and put it in my luggage and take it home? Right. That's why you got to drive places and you, right. beer is so cheap up there, even yeah. just to get like Miller Lite or whatever else, like a mm-hmm. 24 pack of bottles you can get for like 12 bucks. Yeah. And down here that would cost 24 bucks. Usually beer here is a dollar per bottle and that's pretty much about what it is. You get the 15 pack, you spend 15 bucks. Yeah. So I, I need to drive up there and come back with a bunch of beer. Yeah, man. Fill the trunk with cases. Fill the trunk, yeah. Hey, you know, that's that's why you drive places, so you got room to bring stuff back. Right. All right. Yeah, what else happened this week, though? I, I did get my uh, second COVID shot on nice. Wednesday uh, and did not feel any side effects. All the horror stories you hear about people, um, well, I don't even know if it's horror stories, but just like precautionary tale of how you're going to feel after 
your uh, second shot. I woke up the next day expecting to feel like the flu, kind of sick. Man, I didn't feel any kind of anything. I felt fine. I worked a whole day. I was expecting like maybe I'd have to um, call off work the next day. But no, man, lucky me, right? I I hope that's lucky me. I got mine yeah. on April coming in, coming in a couple of weeks. And right. I'm hoping the same experience of just give me my shot and let me be right. vaccinated. Right. Yeah, man. My my wife had had the shot and she felt sick the next day. So I was like, man, this is going to happen. I'm going to be sick. But no, crazy, crazy. See, I, I, I finally broke down and had to go uh, get my hair cut. My hair was okay. getting ridiculously long and <laughs> it was to a point where I couldn't do anything with it. So I, yeah. I had to cut it. So they ended up cutting like almost eight inches off of my hair. And it's still, as you can see, shoulder length. Yeah, uh, I, I can see it. For the listeners who can't see, Chris does have some long hair, but I guess it was much longer before. Yeah, it was like mid-back. mid Mid-back, yeah. mid back, they were about 18 inches, and she pulled almost about 8 inches off, 7 to 8 inches off. So now it's all light and airy, and it yeah, looks... So, so you look like a rock star, but still, but still not. Not now, you don't look like the crazy rock star. <laughs> like well, now, now I don't look like someone who just is lazy and didn't want to cut their hair for two years. I look like I at least it's styled to a point where I mean to have longer hair instead of just, yeah. you know, you grow a beard because you're lazy. And you can tell the people who grow the beard just because they're lazy versus the people who take care of beards. Sure. It's kind of the same, same concept. You know, I want yeah, to at least look groomed. <laughs> quarantine hair, quarantine beard is a real thing, which as long as you can keep somewhat of a handle on it you don't look like a crazy person in public exactly that is something we don't want i don't want to come out of my my bunker with crazy hair and crazy beard and everyone wonders what happened to me for the past two years squinting at the sun we don't need that chris looks like he's in bad shape i don't know he didn't handle it well when realistically i thrived i yeah. thrived not having to have social engagements right I'm I'm one of those people that I read an article and they were like, there's a couple of people who just are afraid to talk about. If you're one of those people, it's okay. If you're introverted and you just did all right hanging out, playing video games and, you know, living your life without the pressure of social engagement. It was just an enhancement of what we wanted to do anyway. Like, I don't like going places. Now I can't go places. So that's okay. (laughs) I don't mind. And you have the perfect excuse when someone, hey, you want to come over for dinner? Can't, pandemic. Right. And Uh, now I don't get asked. Before I would be like, well, I mean, tomorrow I have to get up early or whatever random excuse I can make up. And for all (laughs) you friends out there listening, I don't do that to you. It's other people. Yeah, yeah, not you. It's not you. (laughs) It's me. It's, (laughs) It's the others. It's the others, not you. All right, let's get down with some business because we got a packed show as always because the geek news train just stuff never ends. And, you know, anything can get lo- looped in here as you're going to, guys are about to find out. Okay. We're going to talk about, we got a wide, wide range of topics, which is awesome. Uh, but first, make sure if you guys want to join the conversation, you shoot us an email at raisedageek at gmail.com. I did it. I did it. There you go. No wrong email address this time. And also, get us a, hit us a follow over at Raised a Geek on Twitter. We got a lot of cool stuff going out on there, as well as other things that we find interesting. We make sure to retweet that business. And while you're on your favorite podcast services, make sure you go drop us a review. We're always looking for five stars, the likes, the follows. 
find us on social media and definitely show us some love so we can show you some love and keep the content coming and the conversation going. Thumbs up from Don. I like it. I like <laughs> it. All right, man. Let's jump into some news. You ready? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. We got, of course, trailers. I think we're going to have to come up with a section that's just called Coming Attractions. You know, the old show that used to be on E. It was 30 minutes of just trailers. It was my favorite show on TV when I was a kid. Oh, I remember that show. You remember that show? It had that one dude that was a host, some white guy that was just like, oh, the trailer is the best part. Yeah, that's that's like how we would see uh, trailers back in the day before, like, super crazy internet stuff where you could just look stuff up at the touch of a button. Like, I want to see the new trailers. I'm going to turn on coming attractions. Yeah, you only saw trailers at the movies. And yeah. then they started a show called Coming Attractions, where it was 30 minutes of just showing you the newest trailers. And it would just air on Saturday nights. And there was nothing on Saturday nights but, like, old Star Trek episodes on UPN. <laughs> right. And, like, by Babylon 5 and just random sci-fi shows. And then Coming Attractions was on Saturday night on the E! Network when that was barely a thing. And you would just watch trailers. For 30 minutes and you would see all the new stuff yeah, he just triggered a memory that or a long time <laughs> or as we would say we would sit and watch seals kiss from a rose vi music video over and over again just to see glimpses of batman forever before that movie came out probably a hundred times you just revealed our shameful secret <laughs> you know i'm proud of that secret and you know to me that song is one of, one of the, uh, to in my brain that is one of the greatest songs ever made and it's probably because i listened to it so many times as a kid just to see val kilmer as batman fly through the air <laughs> right. um, that i'm sure it's a flawed thing but i don't i don't care I'll, I'll defend that i'll defend that to the end of my days that seal kiss from a rose is one of the greatest songs ever anyway Always associated with val kilmer Val Kilmer, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's a weird connection to make. Uh, all right, man. Disney Plus dropped a Loki trailer. So the second Loki trailer came out. Uh, first one came out, I think, earlier this year or the end of last year. We got some glimpses. That one was a little bit more action-packed. It was more reminding you that during Endgame, while the Avengers were time-jumping around, we uh, the doppelganger Loki or of variant of loki a different multiverse version of loki grabbed the tesseract and disappeared and then this show is set to pick up where he appears and what happens and this trailer was actually pretty fun it looked really good i think uh tom hiddleston is gonna have a lot of fun as loki i mean i think he always did but he seems like he's gonna have a lot of fun paired up with owen wilson which is a pairing i never knew i wanted uh, right Owen Wilson is a treasure when he pops up in things with his dry wit and his wow and everything is just he doesn't pop up often enough, in my opinion. But uh, how do you feel about the Loki trailer? You excited? Did you just does it make you just want to turn off, cancel your Disney Plus subscription because it looks so bad? Tell me. Tell me what where are you on that spectrum? The trailer for Loki, uh, the first one, like piqued my interest and this one pretty much has enhanced that um i've always been when the disney plus shows were first announced and i saw loki i was happy that they were making that because you know for those of us who saw endgame and infinity war which i'm betting is all of us at this point we all know that loki perished in the that movie was it early in infinity war i think it was i think it was how they opened endgame opened endgame i think because they did that big battle on uh that ship with all the asgardians okay 
Was that was that the beginning of the? Inf- I, I honestly can I'm I'm I, I I'm embarrassed that I can't remember. I, I think it's the beginning. I know it's it's confusing because really you know there's someone movie. screaming at this right, right now, going, "It's Endgame, stupid!" <laughs> yeah, you're I mean, right. In, in, Infinity War and Endgame are two parts of the same movie, so sometimes you know it's hard, you can interchange them and it's hard to remember which one. But anyway, back to my point. Like, uh, we lost the character of Loki early in one of those. And I remember feeling disappointed, like, ah, oh, Loki, like, he's gone, like, I don't know. But, so having a show announcement for him was exciting to me, and I've been, you know, pumped for that show ever since it was announced. So these trailers, watching them, have really increased my excitement level. Uh, the show is looking like it's going to be pretty bonkers, man. Um we had WandaVision first. I know we say it a lot, and that was crazy. And now we're on to <clears throat> Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is more of a realistic uh, trip through the MCU. So Loki looks like we're kind of going back to some some craziness, uh, a lot of stuff going on, time travel, explosions, and, and who doesn't love Tom Hiddleston as Loki, I mean. I, I feel like in some of the movies he's appeared in, which he's been in a few now, like all maybe all the Thor movies, uh, he was the main antag or main villain in the first Avengers, and then he's popped up in the other Avengers. But I always feel like he hasn't had enough focus just on him. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be cool if you're a fan of the character to see kind of what's going on. And uh, like you said, Owen Wilson in the trailer, this trailer he gets much more. <clears throat> much more shine than than he had in the first one. You kind of didn't hear much from him, but yeah, that that classic Owen Wilson wit and uh, the funny jokes and just the way he his delivery. I think him and uh, Loki are gonna bounce well off each other. So I mean, I'm I'm pretty pumped for it. It looks fun to me. What what are your initial thoughts? Yeah, it looked a lot of it looked like a lot of fun. I like the idea that they seem like they're recruiting Loki to work for a time agency. I forgot what they called it, like the TVA, which I'm sure so that's some lore somewhere deep in comic Marvel history. Um, I like that. They seem like they're recruiting him to go jump through time and different moments to restore the timeline and kind of bring balance to time in general. I know I said time a lot, but I, and that's kind of a cool premise because then you can jump around to different, eras different things every episode can feel a little different i mean there's been tons of shows over the years that have dealt with that kind of thing doctor who is a big one where it's just we could jump around time so we can hit anything and find alternate realities and alternate dimensions and alternate planets and alternate just anything and everything that you do can be you can do have more fun that way without having to worry about screwing up canon um so i mean that kind of idea just seems like it's prime for a tv show and then when you throw the marvel machine behind it and knowing that they're going to do things with that that branches off or matters it's really kind of an exciting possibility and i i am kind of enjoying now that they threw falcon i'm enjoying the order in which these shows are now releasing compared to what the original plan was i think this is going to be really cool i'm really hoping they can get um i don't know what's next after Loki, I'm really hoping it's She-Hulk because I want to watch that show so bad. I just think the idea of a comedy, a legal comedy with She-Hulk and the Hulk and Mark Ruffalo coming in that show and just that casting, um, it just 
I think that show is going to be so much fun, and I hope that one is coming sooner rather than later. But I don't know what's next, but I do like that the way that WandaVision really took us out there, and then Falcon and Winter Soldier brought us back a little bit, but now Loki's going to take us, it seems like, even further because WandaVision was still a very self-contained story. And then Falcon is very globetrotty, kind of having fun, and Loki seems like they're going to go everywhere. You know, it's not going to be self-contained to just the hex or one location, they're going to go jumping through time and really start messing stuff up. And I think it's going to be a good time. I'm actually really excited, a lot more excited for it than I thought I would be. Yeah, I, I agree. And and I did look it up. The um, Disney Plus release looks like after Loki, it would be the What If show next mm. over the summer. God, I'm so pumped for that. Yeah, that, that one should be cool. And uh, then following that in late 2021 is Hawkeye. So that should be the, I mean, that's a, that's, I'm cool with that order. That's not a bad year. Like I said, if you, if you go from WandaVision back to earth with Falcon, then you Mm -hmm. go back out into the wild with Loki, and then you come back grounded with Hawkeye to finish off the year. It's not a bad, and the Eternals, I think, isn't the Eternals still set to come out this year? And Tai Chi, not Tai Chi. Shang-Chi. Yeah, yeah. Shang-Chi. <laughs> tai Chi. You're mixing, <laughs> uh, you're mixing in, yeah, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, and Eternals also for the year. So, I mean, it's a pretty stacked schedule for Marvel there. A lot of, MCU's lot of copies back, there. baby. MCU's back. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's jump on another trailer that dropped this week. Uh, Netflix dropped Jupiter's Legacy, which is uh, based on a comic book by Mark Miller. Um, kind of checked out this trailer at your uh, urging. Let it, hey, watch this trailer. This came out. Um, I know you read this book, so I'm definitely interested. I know you read it a long time ago, but I'm still interested to get your thoughts. Um, my initial thoughts on this trailer was to me, and Netflix is known for this, in my opinion. The trailer was a mess. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on in that trailer. Um, it seems like it's a it's a superhero show. For those who don't know, Jupiter's Legacy. Um, like I said, it's written by Mark Miller. It seemed like there were a lot of superheroes that gained their powers on this mysterious island, and then you kind of jump to ninety years in the future where all of those heroes are super old, and they're going, "Remember all the things that we did for to gain our powers ninety years ago." And then, so it seems like there's going to be some time jumping, but then at the same time, they all seem like they had teenage kids that they're handing their powers off to or trying to, like, get them to be succession of them. Um, So that was my main understanding. There was a lot of randomness going on. I don't know if this is going to be a show or a movie because they didn't say it in there. I'm assuming it's a show because everything's a show now. Um, It seemed cool. It also, in my opinion, looked a little CW-ish with the teen drama and stuff, which of course, if it is that type of story, then it is that type of story. Um, but I'm definitely curious on how you, how it excites you knowing that it is, you know, a story that you read. Do you, are you excited? Do you want to read it again before? Are you excited just to see them bring it to life? How did you feel about this trailer and pump me up, man? Great. Uh, like you said, I did read Jupiter's legacy, the um, original run it had. Uh, it's from Image Comics, like you said, Mark Millar and artist Frank Quietly, um, who's who's a great artist. Um, but yeah, I, I really remember enjoying the the book. Uh, it's kind of a it's a superhero story from Image, but as we've been seeing lately, superhero stories that are um, 
told that aren't necessarily Marvel or DC get to take a lot of different liberties that Marvel and DC properties don't get to take. Uh, and even their adaptations as well, like we're going to talk about Invincible later and also uh, The Boys the same kind of way. Uh, so it's it's fun to have spins on superheroes that kind of get to push the boundaries that Marvel and DC don't get to push. And I remember Jupiter's Legacy, like disclaimer, it's been a long time since I've read these books, a few years, so I don't remember all the names and all the characters. But uh, this book definitely does follow that path of pushing boundaries and uh, being edgy with their superheroes. Uh, like you said, the, the story is kind of um, about these superheroes who've aged through the years. I know there's the main guy who, in the trailer, it looks like is being played by Josh Dumal. Dumal is that I was going to ask, do, do, yeah, Dumichel. He's kind of the poor man's Dumichel. Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, I, I haven't seen much of that guy. I know he's been in a lot of stuff. But one thing that does bother me is when you have a younger actor playing an older person. and sometimes With a the, terrible wig. Yeah, some, sometimes <laughs> the the makeup and the... Yeah, stuff just looks bad and i know the reason they're doing that is because they're going to do scenes of when he was young and also scenes of when he's old and it's easier to make old somebody up than like young somebody up so that's why they unless you want to use two different actors which they could have done but that's always gets weird too so that kind of threw me off a little bit but yeah uh anyway jupiter's legacy is kind of a story about them and their children uh family who are also have powers but are reluctant to take the role because the world is changing uh it's more of a modern world do, do the children want to be the same kind of heroes as the parents are or do they want to do things differently like uh i just remember the son who is also a main character in this is like uh you know he's super powered he's got all these powers he can fly he's got super strength but he just wants to like drink and party and do all this <laughs> stuff and the daughter uh, is like a model and, and using her gifts in a way where she's not being like a superhero and the, the parents are like against it. I don't know. It's all kind of mixed in without getting super spoilery because a lot of stuff does happen. So how many uh, episodes do you think I need to watch before I hear someone say, don't tell me what to do, Dad? Right. <laughs> That'll probably be pretty early on there. First episode. Why are you always try to tell me what to do, Dad? Don't tell me how to run my life. Uh, yeah, you might have some. You might have some of that mixed in the trailer. The trailer to me just looked kind of generic, a little run of the mill, uh, like you said. Uh, nothing too exciting about it. I am definitely going to watch it to see what they do. Uh, those familiar with Mark Miller know know that you know he's the guy who's behind um, the original Civil War for Marvel. So he's kind of a renowned guy. He has a lot of his own books for Image. My thing with him is he's always seems like the books he writes are made specifically to be adaptations. Like he's done a lot of that. Uh, so this kind of seems like the start of that. He may have a lot more. He Well, you know, he also did Kingsman and Kick-Ass are his yeah. book. And those are like made perfectly to be movies. And that's what he kind of wants. So this is kind of falling in line with that. So I don't know. We'll see how so he it writes. Goes. He writes the comic books and then does. No, he doesn't direct the movies because that was Matthew Vaughn that directed the movies. OK, right. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he has his hands in the movies. Oh. I'm the executive producer on all that stuff. It's been a while since I watched Kick-Ass or um, Kingsman, but I'm sure this is like the same way. Another thing like that. So, like I said, I will be um, intent to watch it, but 
you know, the trailer is just kind of run of the mill, nothing too exciting about it. So I'm, I'm sure you'll hear us talk more about it as the yeah. release date. I think it was May 12th on Netflix and we know how Netflix just drops a binge model and we'll see how we want to talk about it or even if it's worth talking about. So, and Absolutely. you let us know at raise the geek at gmail.com or hit us up on our Twitter. If you want us to talk about Jupiter's legacy, while we were talking about Netflix, they made some big moves this week where they dropped, what was it, $400 million to get two Knives Out sequels this yeah. week? That's mm-hmm. a ridiculous amount of mo- money for two movies, let yeah. alone Knives Out, which I did not enjoy. And I'm one of the random people in the world that did not like that movie. How do you, how do you feel about Netflix making that kind of move and jumping that kind of money? Do you think that's worth $400 million bucks? I don't know if uh, that, that number did strike me as being a pretty high number uh for knives out i know knives out was commercially successful and it was critically as well yeah critically successful as well maybe not by you but by not by me i'm not (laughs) i'm not you know i'm just a random dude yeah yeah. uh so that that number did strike me but i mean i think this is netflix kind of trying to more further legitimize themselves as like a big player in uh, Hollywood production studios that like going up against the likes of, you know, Fox and Sony universal, all these big companies who have these franchises. So they're, this is me thinking they're kind of saying, well now, okay, well now we have a franchise that we're going to, you know, put a lot of promotion and money behind and hope for a lot of subscriptions, you know, knives out fans. The only way for you to see the sequels is be a Netflix subscriber. So uh, yeah, that that news was interesting. I, I'm I'm more curious though, like as to your um, I like me personally, Knives Out was pretty oh, it was pretty okay. I didn't think it was I it was super hyped going in. I knew when I was getting ready to watch it, I saw a lot of people saying, you know, this is one of the greatest movies ever. And I watched it and I was entertained. I didn't think it was one of the greatest things ever. But clearly, you have a a deeper <laughs> issue with. Knives Out. You want to get into that a little bit? Well, I mean, I can for a quick yeah. second, um, yeah, yeah. but and it's going to be spoilers heavy. So if you oh. well, and it, and it, well, to a point, but there was just they. I don't. I thought it was funny that they decided to use. They're just to me the writing, like the way that they put the story together, was a different type of murder mystery. I give them that they tried something different. It was intriguing in that having a main character who couldn't tell a lie without vomiting yeah seemed really stupid and then at the same time the detectives knew that so then you just ask her some hard questions and see if she throws up you know like there was no it just seemed like it was just a really weird thing for them to do as a thing so then it immediately was just like wait what it took me out of the movie immediately and you're just like okay and then they had their you know their their twist at the end of who was who done it and who yeah, it yeah. was and to me it was just like well I could have told you that from the trailer like they just never they never subverted my expectations anyway so I kind of was just going through the movie and I'm like well why don't you do that and I in my mind once you start uh, once you said the dog just bursted in the room door flies <laughs> open the dog's wagging her tail just all happy in life she but once once yeah she's just like I want to be part of the show. <laughs> But once you uh, 
once you start thinking, you know, and that's one of the my always becomes one of my problems with the mystery, the who done it, the whenever they tell you in a trailer, there's a big twist you'll never see coming. I immediately start looking for that. I go into a mystery. I go into a mystery expecting to try to figure it out. I want to find the clues. I want to watch that thing. And that movie, even though they tried to do something different, they didn't. They told it in a way that it really wasn't a mystery anymore. You know, it was more of just trying to figure out who's going to get caught. And just the way that that movie was, it wasn't what I wanted it to be. Now, watching it, if I go watch it again, because knowing what it is now, um, I might enjoy it more. But that was my thing. I sat down, I wanted to watch a mystery because that's what they told me I was going to get. And then it's not what I got. So that it just from a, from a construction standpoint, just a story standpoint, it bothered me in that way. And then it was just like, then once you realize the path they're going, you could just see it. And it just, to me, it wasn't, I just wasn't as entertained by it. I could go heavier spoilers and stuff, but I know it's a couple years old and it doesn't really matter if I spoil sure. stuff, but it was just little things with the construction. I appreciated what they tried. And I honestly can't say I wouldn't be interested in a sequel. Um, drop it on Netflix where I don't have to go put effort into it. Cause I didn't put any effort in seeing the first one. So I wouldn't do it for the second one. I think I waited till it was on Amazon prime and I watched it. Yeah. So not saying I would, wouldn't, I'm not checked out of the series. I, you know, have nothing against the director. I've enjoyed his movies, nothing against Daniel Craig. I've enjoyed his movies. It's going to be a completely new case. As long as they don't have a character that needs to throw up every time they lie. Cause to me, that just is a weird thing that I, it, to me, it just put tons of holes in your story. Cause once you start looking at a story and going, well, why don't you do this? Why yeah. didn't they do that? And you just, once you start leaving that realm of believability, then unless you're really in it, it's really, like I said, you just start checking out. I hear you. Yeah, that's a lot of good points. My my, the strongest thing I thought that movie had going for it was just strong uh, performances by a oh. pre, by a great cast. Oh yeah, the cast, the, the ensemble they put together was awesome. I yeah, I can't I can't knock on that at all. Yeah. What was funny was there was a BuzzFeed article talking about actors you didn't know they could do it you know the roles that brought them out you know and like made me realize that they could be a real actor and they were like on this list was chris evans knives out and i'm like really that was the movie you haven't seen chris evans do anything better or anything more intriguing than you know there's this one movie on netflix where he's smuggling out you know refugees from ethiopia that was awesome and i cannot remember what the hell it was called but i mean there's way better chris evans movie than chris evans's character in knives out was just come on that that really buzzfeed really buzzfeed yeah i'm talking really 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 he was the main actor in snowpiercer wasn't he yeah <clears throat> yeah he was exactly that. Yeah, that watch, was... Snor- watch snowpiercer or watch his performance in uh however brief the scott pilgrim versus the world he was great in that oh movie. god i love yeah. that movie yeah we can do an episode about Scott Pilgrim one day. Revisit that one. We should. I think, I think we should. I think we should. <laughs> that one's up on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, just watch it. It's. I can't imagine you not enjoying it. Right. Especially if you're listening to this and you like video games, you like music, you like. It's that's like all a, of them. It's like a geek gasm all over the place. <laughs> right. Uh, speaking of Netflix, as they're making their big moves, they made a deal with Sony to basically be the exclusive streamer for all of their movies, including Spider-Man and Venom. So basically their Spider-Verse movies are all going to be exclusive to Netflix and not with Disney Plus, as some would think future Spider-Man movies might go, depending on how long they're attached to the MCU. So does this move surprise you? Do you think it's weird that they didn't go? How hard do you think Disney tried to get them? 
Yeah, that's what I've been asking myself ever since I saw the reports of that deal. Uh, if I think that if Disney really wanted to uh, be the exclusive home for Spider-Man streaming, that they have the resources that they probably could have gotten it done over. Uh, I would imagine. Yeah, over Netflix, you would think. So that's just the way my brain works. Is it kind of seems like it's a sign that uh, our the relationship between. Uh, Sony and Disney working together with Spider-Man could, you know, be coming to its end in the near future, like the upcoming Spider-Man movie that we're getting at the end of this year and could be, you know, brace yourselves, possibly the the end of Spider-Man in the MCU. So uh, could be the end of Tom Holland and doing Spider-Man in general, because he didn't seem like he wants to do it outside of the MCU. Right. And I'm assuming once they do this third one, that's probably going to be the end of his contract. So I don't, unless they dump just unspeakable amounts of money on him, which they might do. Yeah. I mean, he was, if you've read about it, he was like kind of the the middleman who brought them back together when the talks were breaking down before uh, we ever got this deal for Spider-Man 3. So, yeah, you can tell he's a big fan of being in the position he's in right now. He kind of wants to be part of that universe. I'm sure... um, that's what's going through his head. So, <clears throat> yeah, like you said, this could be the uh, end of Tom Holland as Spider-Man, and then we'd be looking at another reboot. Uh, if or can... if rumors are to be believed, oh, Sony yeah. is talking about dusting off Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire to pick up Spider-Man 4 and actually continue that franchise. So instead of we go from high school Spider-Man to midlife crisis Spider-Man, how does that news make you feel, man? <laughs> Yeah, that one kind of came out of left field. I didn't see anything like that coming. And I saw it originally posted by, you know, some sites that whenever I see stuff posted, I won't name the sites because I can't even remember exactly where I saw it. But, like, it's not 100% like, well, this is a 100% reputable source. This is true. It's just, like, all rumors stuff kind of right now. But uh, just, like, speculating if that were to be true, that would be weird uh, an odd decision to me something i didn't think we'd ever be revisiting talking about making another uh toby mcguire sam raimi spider-man 4 especially after the mess that three was <clears throat> so yeah that that would be crazy um how, how'd that news make you feel when you it, it made me laugh yeah. and <laughs> it confirmed the idea that i don't ever need to see that movie now of course i'd watch it but yeah. Uh, going back and watching those movies, Tobey Maguire, in my opinion, was just a mess of Spider-Man. I mean, yeah, Spider-Man Two is awesome. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, and I and I can't shit on Spider-Man One. I, I remember going to see it at the drive-in. You and I locked everyone out of the car because we were like, "No, you're not gonna talk to this." We tricked everyone to go get snacks, and we locked the doors and made them sit in someone else's car or outside because we were like, yeah. "You're not gonna talk through this movie." Because uh, you I know, driving you sitting in someone's car, yeah. and we didn't want now. I want to hear the the people we came with cracking cracking jokes or making fun of Spider Man. We were like, no, because Spider Man, that first one was like a- outside of Batman, that was like number one superhero. Never saw anything like it. I right, can't. We were like, listen, you can't talk during this. We've been waiting our whole lives for this movie, yep. and you're not going to ruin it for us. And they made it seem like they were going to, so we locked them out of the car, <laughs> and. <laughs> And uh, so, I mean, I can't take away what those movies mean to me. I can't take away, but rewatching them, Tobey Maguire to me is just kind of, 
Well, and especially once you hit Spider-Man 3, he just is kind of whiny and just kind of there. So the idea of Tobey Maguire now at 40-something years old coming back to be Spider-Man, it just seems like I, I understand why they might want to make it just from a nostalgia standpoint. Uh, let's finish our series the way we meant to. Let's I understand the unfinished business within that. So, I mean, I'd be interested to see, but for the most, I don't need to see this at all. This, yeah. this is un- unnecessary, and it just kind of seems like it's, um, as we're going to talk about here in a minute, it's just businesses making decisions that they think are going to make them money and not necessarily thinking from a creative standpoint, not necessarily thinking from a even a critical standpoint, just more or less going, hey, the dum-dums are going to dump their money on this movie and it'll we'll be able to make it for this much, but we'll make this much. And they just look at how can we make money and they're not there's no reason why they should do it. It's kind of like Jeff Goldblum said in that you're look in Jurassic Park. You're looking at all the reasons why you should do it, but you didn't ask yourself why. You yeah. know, just because you can doesn't mean you should do certain yeah. things. And yeah. a lot of times these movie companies and video game companies are just looking at the money and they're not thinking from a creative or a, a creative aspect of why they should. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I think this also ties in with the rumors that we've all read about uh, cameos in Spider-Man 3 of Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield possibly uh returning to be part of the like multiverse stuff and i think the studio maybe is looking at well we'll see how successful that is how the reception for uh if 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 that happens if that happens uh if toby mcguire comes back how crazy people go and how much talk there is about it yeah yeah then we can make our movie and make a billion dollars spider-man 4 but like you said it's it's a funny idea to me. Uh, like you said, it made you laugh. That's a good word for it. It is like humorous to read that. I I can't see it happening, but who knows? And and people have a really soft spot, hard on, whatever you want to call it, for Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Because I remember when the Spider-Man game came out and those suits were coming out, people wanted that Spider-Man 3 suit. And it was like a controversy that Tobey Maguire suits weren't getting in that game. And people were freaking out and boycotting Spider-Man because they weren't getting their Spider-Man 3 suit. I know people love those Spider-Man movies. And I know there's a generation that of kids. You know, We were 18 when that came out or teenagers. We were older when that came out. And uh, there's a generation of kids who were 8, 10, 12 who saw that. And I know that they're, that's a completely different connection that they have to that. Um, yeah. And who knows? Sony might have looked at that script for that Spider-Man multiverse, you know, Long Way Home or whatever that mo- new one's called. They might see some badass stuff that Tobey Maguire's doing in that or see a way for them to do something with it and just realizing how awesome it could be. And maybe mm-hmm. they are thinking creatively and not financially. Who knows? And we'll find out in the future but i'm definitely curious to see our last news thing that i can't not talk about though um we're going to switch over to video game news here which uh, does yeah. lead us back into tv a little bit but i just needed to get your opinion on this because this broke yesterday and it's crazy to me but sony uh is doing playstation games and they were closing down some businesses they were trying to do a days gone to they had one of their i think it was uh San Diego, Sony, one of their in-house studios was trying to develop a Days Gone 2 for those playing it. Play it have played that. It's a big like horde zombie open world motorcycle gang game, which I know we both tried, but it wasn't really our thing. They tried to do a uh, Days Gone 2, which Sony turned down because the original was not as critically received or didn't hit the sales marks that they wanted. So they're not going to do that one. So you're already like you're cutting off 
they were kind of ready to do a sequel and now you're telling them no. But then it seemed like through some more rumors that they're shifting their production and sending these smaller companies to work on a lot of like remakes of games, including an Uncharted remake. But then basically it seems like they're working on and getting set for a Last of Us remake. So now Last of Us 2 came out last year, which we both played and regardless of where you feel what i mean i felt that game was amazing that was one of the best games i played ever in my life like i sat here with tears at certain like that game is emotionally draining it's depressing it's amazing it's it's storytelling at its finest and we're going to jump into how if you don't play games you're still going to get this story here coming up soon but a last of us remake last of us came out eight years ago on ps3 a year after that, it was remastered for PS4. I think less than a year ago, it's already been remastered for PS5, or at least up-performed. So there's been an update for higher performance resolutions. And six months ago, there was another one for higher performance. So this game, in the past eight years, has already been updated four times in one way or another. Not full-on remake. But, of course, it's not going to touch the levels of Last of Us 2. Last of Us 2 was a completely like a different engine, a different style of game. But, I mean, you and I played Last of Us 1 again, the remaster, last year to prep for Part 2. How did this news... I mean, do you need a Last of Us remake for PS5 in the engine of... I mean, if it plays like Last of Us 2 and done that way, is this, a, is this something you need? Disclaimer to start the my reaction to the news. <clears throat> if they do make a remake of The Last of Us, I will play it. <laughs> I, I, I guarantee you that right now. I will play it because I cannot get enough of that series. But would you pay $70? Would See, you I'll, drop I'll, day I'll, one? Was Is it day one for you? I'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, okay. I, haven't, I haven't thought that far into the future. But I'm telling you, I will play it. Now, saying that, I think that it is a 100% unnecessary move to remake The Last of Us. Um, like you said, it's only been eight years. And uh, for those of you who have played it, it still stands up today. You could you could turn that game on right now and enjoy it just as much as any game that's like newly released. If you if you've never played The Last of Us, I would say you could start it from the beginning right now and enjoy the hell out of yourself as if it was a brand new game. As much um, as you can enjoy yourself in The Last of Us, well, like yeah. it's not it's not it's an a, uplifting no, uh, no. you know romp through the meadows of happiness, you know. <laughs> No, prepare yourself for some dark times and your mind to go to some dark places uh playing that game yeah uh, no spoilers but uh yeah you're you're gonna you're gonna have to reach to some dark places for that one but like like i said <laughs> when, I, when i think uh remake i um the thing that comes to the top of my mind is like doing these resident evil remakes that they've been doing they did uh part ones two and three remakes and stuff like that is okay because it's been so long for those games. So having like an updated uh, Resident Evil 2, when when I saw that coming, it, it actually, you know, is exciting. Like, oh yeah, I'd love to play that game again with like new mechanics, new engine, new graphics. Resident but, Evil 2 came out on PS1, PlayStation 1, back in like 96 right. or 98. You know, yeah, of course, remaking that with thinking of today's engines and what they can do in video games is super exciting. But yeah, continue. Yeah. No, yeah. So, I mean, a game like that, to me, is fine to remake for a new audience and people who are fans of, uh, you know, current Resident Evil games like 
the new village game coming out and the one before that. And so people maybe who didn't get to experience the original games, that's great. But this is a game that is not even 10 years old. I don't, and it, and like, I don't know the, the idea of it just seems kind of wacky to me. It's, it's a game that really does not need the remake. I mean, because what can you do that is even really remaking and making it different? And why make it different? It's like the perfect game as it is. So I don't know. I really didn't understand uh, this decision or this idea in the first place. So do you think, though, that this decision has to do, and this is how those who don't play games or haven't gotten around The Last of Us is going to catch up to this conversation, is The Last of Us first game is being adapted for HBO. Right. And I know they cast Pedro Pascal, which everybody loves the hell out of him from The Mandalorian and everything else he's did. And then they cast that girl from Game of Thrones. And I cannot remember her name. No. Uh, and I meant to look it up and I didn't. So that's, <laughs> that's... shame on me. Um, but they have a big cast and they're doing it for HBO, which I mean, if you're going to turn that ad- adapt that game into a show, that's the place to do it. But how much do you think that has to play in with the idea of them dropping this remake roughly at the same time before or after or during this show is on and in, intriguing the people who are like, Oh, this is based on a game. Oh, I can get it. It just came out. I have like, how much do you think that that weighs in on the decision to remake this game? I mean, it probably, it probably does have a lot to do with it because you know, it all boils down to money. But just my thinking is why can't you, like when when something when something comes out that's adapted from something it kind of drives people to go seek out what it's based on like uh this happened with the walking dead and invincible and other things that are based on either comics or video games like that that thing comes out and you get a new audience interested in it and they're gonna go find it like Walking the Witcher, dead. The Witcher Three, Witcher Three, exactly. or The Witcher premiered on Netflix, and The Witcher Three showed like thousands of people picked up the game on Steam, and all of a sudden there were thousands more people playing this game that came out six, seven years ago yeah. on on PC and consoles, and it had this whole new audience of people who were either re-inspired to go back and play their copy or just pick it up for the first time. So right. it's crazy. It's just like you said. Yeah. So I mean, I think the interest level of something is going to cause people to want to go back and find the original stuff. So, I mean, I feel like the, the, the numbers for sales, if they're looking for money, the numbers on sales for the original last of us game, if people are interested enough would increase. I don't think you really need the new game to kind of justify that. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Just, same thing with invincible people want to read those comics you can't find those like right now at this time and i even read something that you know the jupiter's legacy trailer itself has caused the the prices to skyrocket on those issues on those back issues which i have sitting up in a box somewhere you know might pay for some uh, might buy me a new tv or something if i decide (laughs) but uh yeah i don't know so so those of you who are interested, Don's got, you know, Jupiter's Legacy comics, you know, Jupiter's make them an offer. Legacy, number one for sale. <laughs> Hit me up in the on Twitter or on the DMs or email me. Uh, let's make a deal. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> yeah, man, I don't know that that I get the reasoning like it's all money. Oh, driven. yeah. It's all money driven. But I just think it's an unnecessary kind of thing. And And the purists of the game have to feel the same way, like. 
I hear a lot of I can hear a lot of people being like, we don't need a new Last of Us. Like it's a great game. There's no need to make a new one. But maybe some of them would like one just to play like a new Last of Us game because you know that that is playing through one and two. You're like, I I can say like, oh man, I want more, and I know it's gonna be a long time till I get more. So a part of me, like I said, is gonna play it if it does come out, but I don't know. We'll see. Well, that's the thing. You can be a purist. You can say you can complain. You can do this, but we're the ones who've already played through the game at least twice or more, and we would all do it again. And you know what? When they announce Last of Us Three, if they decide to go that route. What are we going to do? We're going to go back and play Last of Us 1. We're going to go back and play Last of Us 2. We're all going to hate ourselves because we're going to be depressed. And then we're going to jump in Last of Us 3. Right. Just, it is going to be what it's going to be. Like, those those are great games. And for those who don't know, when that show comes out on HBO, you're welcome. Like, that's just going to be... Yeah. You're, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be rough, but it's going to be it's gonna be some good, some quality TV there. Yeah, if they can... Uh... If they can maintain the um, quality of the games, we're all in for something pretty special with that show. So, yeah, looking it forward to be. that. And HBO is a solid track record, so I think that that is great. All right, man. Let's just move on. Let's get to what people are here as we've been recording for forever already, and people are probably already time-jumped past all this. So... <laughs> Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode four. Let's jump into this episode. You watched it last night. I watched it this morning. Episode four, which was titled The Whole World is Watching. And by the time you hit the end of this episode, full spoilers from here. So if you didn't watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier at this point, you should know the routine. Watch that episode. Come back. Listen to us talk about it. Um, Hopefully, by the time this drops on Wednesday, everyone's seen it. So spoilers shouldn't be, spoiler warning shouldn't be needed. Uh, But The Whole World is Watching. And when this episode ended, you know what that title meant because holy hell, the end of this episode, this was John Walker's episode, like from mm-hmm. top to bottom. He was money in this episode. I enjoyed everything. You could see it coming, but you could watch it bubbling over and you just, you knew what was going to happen, but it still wasn't any less shocking when it happened. Um, and this was just, I don't know, to my opinion, this was just the John Walker episode and really setting him up as kind of being the bad guy. We had more Zemo. Um, unfortunately, Baron Zemo wasn't dancing in this episode as that blew up Twitter this week of Baron Zemo dancing in a club and Disney even released an hour long cut of just a loop of him dancing in the club in Madripoor. So release uh, hashtag release the Zemo cut. Yeah. yeah. Hey, and that worked a lot faster than it worked for Zack Snyder. So, (laughs) uh, but how was, what was your reaction? Now, did you enjoy this episode or did you think it was a steaming pile, man? (laughs) Yeah. I know that's not true. No, definitely not. My my initial thoughts on this episode were um if I'm stacking it up against the rest of the series, this is probably to me the been the strongest episode so far, uh halfway through here. Um just in general, I mean I feel like it had the the strongest action and the best fight sequences. Um I like that they're kind of not I, I don't want to say dumping the the buddy comedy feel, but this episode had like definitely more of a serious tone for those who watched it. You know what I'm I'm referring to, and uh, I just feel like the direction now we finally have like a stable direction of where this show is going. And um, like you said, the the John Walker 
content in this one is really great. Uh, you know, the, his descent that we're seeing is, is, is really captivating. Um, <clears throat> he's kind of like becoming the anti Steve Rogers. And that's like a story that we didn't think we would necessarily get with, with this show. We didn't know they were really going to go this direction. I mean, this show is called Falcon and Winter Soldier, but I like how much they're focusing on um, some of these side characters and giving them some uh, room to grow. And, you know, Disney's always been really good with, not Disney, Marvel Studios has been really good with their villains, some of them. And I feel like John Walker right now is taking his place as, a, um, <clears throat> you know, pretty high on that list of captivating villains that... Um, it's hard to tell if you're like rooting for them or rooting against them. I mean, you're, you're told to root against them, but a lot of his reasoning and what's going on is, you know, relatable to some people, you know, he, I don't want to dive too deep into it without getting your takes, but just like he's, um, he's got feelings of what is the word? Like he's not good enough. Yeah. He's inadequate. Yeah, he's inadequate. We saw that in the scene with the uh, Malage where he finally realized, you know, him as just a man, he can't take on uh, these threats that Steve Rogers, Captain America, has that he's seen growing up. You know, Steve Rogers has fought uh, Red Skull, Thanos, other superpowered, you know, Iron Man. He's fought all these... Uh, superpower beings and with the super soldier serum but john walker is just a guy you know he's and we can tell that that's finally getting to him and like making him feel inadequate uh so yeah seeing the descent of him into um what eventually becomes you know an angry an angry version of captain america that we as fans aren't used to i think that's been really great oh yeah like and even looking back through the episodes, you've been able to see it. You know, he's always been showing that he's trying to fill the, the boots or the shield. He's trying to show that he's worthy of carrying that shield. And regardless of what he's accomplished in the military, he's still, it's not good enough. You know, right. Steve Rogers, how do you fill those boots? I mean, there's a reason why Falcon didn't take the shield and he didn't feel adequate enough to for him to be able to do it. And think about all he did. And then you just take John Walker, who really is just soldier you know, mm -hmm. uh, soldier hero, but on a man level, not a God or a mortal level, like Steve Rogers technically is being the super soldier. So being able to see that. And if you look from episode to episode, he was trying and trying and you could see where it's been shifting to, I just, we, they failed fighting on top of the trucks in episode two, they failed, you know, he just can't keep up at all. And then, yeah, when he was fighting the Wakandans and he's going through and he's like, they're not even super soldiers. And they whooped my ass. Like, I can't I can't do anything yeah. in this. So seeing that that descent in this episode was really, like I said, his to shine, where you could see that the whole episode, he was trying and trying and he was losing control and he just seemed like he was about to break. He really hit his breaking point at this one. And they had that, that sit down with Sam and Carly, where Sam is trying to talk with Carly going, hey, I understand what you're doing and trying to talk her off the ledge, basically, from going full-blown terrorist, full-blown bad guy, full, you know, she's trying because we know that she's noble in what she's doing. She just is starting to push the boundaries as to what's noble. And right. Sam's trying to talk her off this ledge. And then you got John Walker, who's just like, let's kill him. And he's freaking yeah. out and he just can't, he's just, he needs to do something. He needs that win. 
and he's just not getting that win and he doesn't want to have this taken away from him and he doesn't want, you know, you could just see it on him and he did such a good job with bringing that to life in this episode. So by the end, when you hit the big finale at the end, which we'll get into here in a second, it was just like, man, they did it. They told that story in these four episodes, um, or at least one, two, and four, because he wasn't really in three. But yeah, it just was. It like I said, this was this was his episode, and I, I'm all in on the John Walker story. I'm cool. They, I understand. I understand. I'm cool with him being the the antagonist in this. If they want to shift to him being the full blown bad guy in this, I'm cool with that. And um, I like that he's more sympathetic. I think, as you said, Marvel has been hit or miss with their villains as to whether or not you care about them. And that's with all these big CGI villains and stuff. I think with John Walker, they've really done a good job of making him complex. And, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a predictable story. It's a, you know, it makes sense as to this is where they would go, but it still doesn't mean it's not cool that they're going there. And I think being able to see it is still just the fact that they're actually doing it is awesome and the fact that they're doing this with captain america and just this idea and that closing shot on the whole episode um yeah is something that we won't forget and i think that was super cool i I saw somebody i don't remember exactly where forgive me on twitter share something like uh, uh we have a new iconic image to join like this uh the marvel world and the examples they were using was like uh the first time you saw spider-man fall onto a tom holland spider-man drop down onto yep. the car in his pose. That's like yep. one you'll never forget. Nope. Uh, also Steve Rogers catching uh, Thor's hammer uh, in infinity war. That's something you'll never forget. And then, and man, this show actually pulled one off themselves. That final uh, image with John Walker, Captain America has got the bloody, the bloody shield. There's never been blood on Captain America's shield before. And there finally is like, it was used to murder a man. Uh, that image of, <laughs> That, that image of him standing there with that is like, you know, that's some iconic imagery that's going to live on in uh, MCU history for, for, for good, along with those other images, man. Yeah. It, it's, I tip my hat to him, man. I didn't, I didn't, as this show was progressing, I really didn't know if they were going to get me. And I know I said in the last, uh, definitely the last episode that we did, I'm waiting for the hook. I'm waiting for what this show is going to be. I'm waiting for the antagonist. I'm waiting for more. And I really think they gave it to me this week um, with John Walker. They made me care about him as well as despise him. And you just were like, keep going. And how far were they going to push him? And after he, uh, I mean, then they pushed him pretty damn far. So it was definitely interesting. Um, Taking a step back here from John Walker, um, we did have, I, I really enjoyed the depths that they were adding the layers to Carly as being the lead of the flag smashers and mm-hmm. her motives and uh, Sam, they were having a nice talk at the, at uh, Donia's uh, funeral. funeral. Yeah. And just Sam really trying to talk people down and showing him, showing his abilities more than we've ever, you know, he's always just been Falcon and he's done this, but with him saying, Hey, this is what I do. I talk with, and I know they touched on it in the movies, but Hey, I talk with traumatized soldiers and this is what I do. And I can, I can help her. And, you know, John Walker didn't want any piece of that. He just wants to smash stuff, even though he wants to prove himself in that way. And Sam wanted to just talk it out. And I I really liked him talking with Carly and having her realize a little bit that she is doing this the wrong way. And then, of course, John Walker ruined that talk. But I really liked um, the layers they added to both Sam and Carly in this exchange. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, Sam, it's it's good to see finally more of his 
personality and more of his style of how he would do things. You know, we've always had uh, Falcon and Sam as kind of like a side character. I know we've touched on that already, but seeing him finally get to um, develop more has been great. And um, we've talked about that we feel this show is eventually leading to Sam has to take the shield. That's what Steve wanted. That's, you know, and it feels like we're getting more and more that way. Sam and his speech with Carly and his talking just goes to show us as viewers more like he is the man who would is, is right for it. Like he's got that level headedness. Uh, there's, there's scenes in Captain America movies talking about telling Steve, you know, you're the only, you're the right man for this. You're the only one who could do this. And they even kind of get into that a little bit in this, in this show where, where Zemo is talking about the super soldier serum and how in the hands of the wrong people, uh, that's how supremacy starts, you know, superhuman strength and abilities breeds supremacy. And, and I think it what might've been Bucky who said, well, what about Steve? Or even Sam said, whoa, then how do you explain Steve Rogers? And Zemo's like, well, uh, Steve's Touché. a... Touche. Yeah, Steve, yeah Steve's a, <laughs> there is only, he's, I think he said there's only one Steve Rogers. Yeah. You know, so we're kind of getting into that territory with Sam. He's showing that he would be the rightful person uh, to carry on the Captain America legacy if he eventually turns out wants it. And and yeah, the, the Carly stuff, I'm glad to see her develop a little more, giving us a little more um, feeling as to why she's doing what she's doing. Uh, we're kind of painting her as, um, they're kind of painting her as somebody who will go pretty far to get their message across. And uh, she's got strong convictions as to doing why she's doing what she's doing. Uh, she's a defense. You can tell she's really wants to stand up for the people who are displaced by the blip and feel like they've been um, treated unfairly by the government. And Sam is letting her know, yes, I agree with what you're doing, or I can see what you're doing, but you're doing it in the wrong way. Like I can't allow you to kill people and, you know, basically be a terrorist. Like, there's there's better ways to do this. So seeing that conversation between them was definitely a great scene. And uh, yeah, seeing both of the characters kind of grow in front of our eyes and, and get a little more insight into into them. Yeah, it was it was definitely like I said, I really enjoyed that aspect. And like I said, just adding layers to the onion, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, before we really dive into the crook of this episode, I just need to say Sharon is totally the power broker, right? Oh man, I don't. I thought so, <laughs> but I don't know now. I don't know. They just seem like they're trying real hard to make it like because even they even had her in this one. I'll deal with him, and they had her just like I'll deal with the power broker, and they really were pushing the him, him, him. And I'm just like, that's totally. I just at this point because they're letting us not know who the power broker is or what they're doing. At this point, it has to be a reveal. And right. what other characters they have. They're not just going to have some random nobody step out and go, I'm the power broker. And you'd be like, who's that? It's got to right. be somebody that, that's already been introduced at this point. And I just can't imagine who else it could be. It's just, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. If it is a character that is already been in the show, then it will be her. If it is, if they do want to go a different route and maybe use somebody that um, is like an Easter egg to, to comic readers, I could kind of see that maybe, but uh like a character, an established character from Marvel, but it's not just going to be some brand new character like, hey, I'm the power broker. Nice to meet you. Like, no, they've, they've been uh, playing it too much. Like, it's going to be a reveal of sorts. So yeah. 
And it could I, be I, anyone from the MCU. So yeah, right. it doesn't have to, the way that if anything, the show has shown us or the MCU has shown us, anybody could show up. So yeah, I put it on like a 50, 50 coin flip right now that it would be sharing, but I guess we'll have to watch the next two episodes to see. We will find out. Uh, so then throughout this episode, like you said, John Walker was really having his struggles. He was really kind of having a hard time. He had a hard time being the, uh, Captain America, basically, he really wasn't able to uh, doesn't he's starting to show his lack of confidence and that he's not able to uh, hold down the shield and to do this. So then we had uh, the super soldier serum. We showed where Carly was hiding the super soldier serum. She was able to and she was making the decision, the hard decision that, you know, you could tell it was really hard for her to do. But she was ready to figure out how to make more super soldiers. She was ready to take this serum and she's going to spread out her army. And even her sidekick, the the guy who's been running around with her, which unfortunately I do not remember his name was like, are you sure you want to do this? Is this really the right way we're going to do this? And uh, she's like, this is the only way this is all we can do. So with this situation we have now is that she's carrying around the super soldier serum in a fanny pack, which obviously is not what you want to do. You don't put anything important in a fanny pack. That's how it, you lose it, and that's how it gets broken. And that's exactly what happened. So after the funeral, she's running around with uh, Sam. You know, Z, John Walker busts in and breaks up their conversation, which was very heartbreaking. Carly goes running. She gets chased down by Zemo, who starts shooting her. And she takes a couple shots, and the fanny pack goes everywhere. And Zemo is like, is this what I think it is? And he starts stomping on the super serum, making super soldier serum no more. And he's destroying all of it, and then uh, John Walker shows up and knocks out Zemo and finds, of course, one vial of the super soldier serum hiding in the corner. And you knew where this is going. So then after that, we had the Wakandans show up to get Zemo. Big battle ensues where you saw John Walker is unable to keep up with just even just the Wakandans. He couldn't even handle them, and they weren't even super soldiers. So you knew where we're headed from there, which led to John Walker not being able to handle it. it took the super soldier serum so when we get to the next big action scene he's throwing people around and you know he did it and you're just like oh no john walker yeah and uh then it led to battlestar his partner uh yeah battlestar was the name Dwayne. i just remember battlestar why can't i think of his his character name i had it i had it pulled up right here uh, <laughs> oh lamar. lamar 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 you're right lamar um, but Lamar basically saves his life because Carly comes running at uh, John Walker with the knife. Battlestar tackles her and she punches him straight up in the chest and he goes flying and just the whole battle stops at that point. Like, whoa. And even Carly's like, what did I do? Yeah. And then, you know, Captain America walks over, sees, tries to wake up his friend. As far as we're aware, Battlestar is dead. Mm hmm. And everyone runs away. And then all of a sudden, John Walker, we end this episode with John Walker chasing everybody and trying to find her. And he catches her sidekick and in the middle of this whole giant thing, smashes him with the shield until he's dead. And we have that iconic shot at the end where we have this giant crowd with cell phones hiding around, all recording what he's doing as he's standing there with blood on the shield as he just murdered a man who was screaming, I didn't do it. Yeah. 
That's crazy, man. That was a crazy ending to that show. I wanted to see it so bad as it was happening. I kept waiting for that one more shot of Lamar waking up. Like, I really still feel I'm not going to be surprised if he wakes up. I, they did a couple shots where they went back to him in the middle of that. And I'm not going to be surprised if he cough, wakes up, up and is just really hurt. But regardless, man, that ending was crazy. Yeah. It, uh... <clears throat> It definitely uh, was something I was not expecting 100% to go that way. I knew that uh, John Walker cap was kind of heading down the spiral, but uh, I didn't expect that going. It was, it was, it was an awesome turn of events, man. Like I was super into it. Um, the the thing that hit me at the end that you were just talking about the guy saying like uh i didn't do it he also that character earlier in the episode was the one having the conversation with carly saying like i'm a captain america or i was a captain america fan i don't know oh, if you remember yeah. that and like him saying that and then captain america is who kills you is just like insane um i don't know it, a lot of great action there in that scene i think that the Battlestar character probably is dead i think that would make it hit harder. Oh uh, if yeah. They may, if they make him alive, it'll kind of like take away from what drove John to do what he did. Um, but yeah, man, all in all, that's a, that was a great way to end the, uh, end the episode. It, it didn't follow the, the pattern of cliffhangers, like what we've had in the past, but I feel like that's more of a striking ending than, than they've had in the previous ones. You know, cliffhangers are cool to see what happens. Like, oh, it's a mystery. There's no mystery to this. We we know exactly what happened. Uh so I'm 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 crazy excited to for these last two episodes, man. They're they're getting they're into some serious territory now. This this show is has not feared away from talking on touchy subjects as we've talked recently about race and talked about a lot of stuff on the American front. Um, but then also this episode we touched a little bit on just how America and its symbols mean different things to different people. And, you know, it's kind of crazy to think, too, Captain America is just running around all these other countries. Does he have jurisdiction to these right. other countries? And he's just running around. And like I said, you know, they don't respect him, you know, and that I think that was part of John Walker's descent, you know, is he's like, I'm Captain America. I'm all this, that and the other. But then people are like, well, you're just an American flag running around trying to trying to do more. Right. And uh, and, and how, how does the rest of the world see that? How do they see Captain America? You know, how, what does he look like to them? You know, and I know we've talked about that as to Sam wanting to take the shield as a, as a black man being Captain America. And what does that look like just within America? But just how does Captain America look to the rest of the world, regardless of who it is? You know, well, he's not going to look good now. After, no, 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 no. After no. Uh, all the cell phone recording of him straight up butchering a man in the daylight with a uh, with his shield, yeah, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be wild now because, like you said, we, we've already been talking about how America, how um, in real life America is viewed in different ways than we view it here. Uh, <clears throat> so you know, different countries see America as however they however you know is in their idea however it's presented to them this is like the same way the rest of the world now is seeing uh the mcu equivalent to like the american flag doing something terrible you know they don't have the context of well 
he killed this guy because of this reason and and whatever. They just know that um, Steve Rogers as Captain America would have never done something like this. So this is like just just gonna it's just gonna get wild, man. I'm not I'm not sure exactly how they're what they're gonna do. Like if if the government is gonna strip John Walker of his of being Captain America, but now he's got these these abilities so is he going to be like no you can't take this from me i am captain america and like what so what's going to happen you know it's exciting it's exciting to speculate on that but i really like where where they're going with this and the, and that last 10 minutes of the episode was you know must watch to me yeah that was that was something else man and that was something i never thought i would see and uh something that I don't think I can unsee like it just was it was it was super cool and it definitely that that was the moment and this was the episode that I've been waiting for this show mm-hmm. to deliver and I'm glad that they were finally able to do it. I agree with that. All right man, we're going to move on. Let's talk some invincible real quick. Oh yeah. We're up to episode 5 now of Invincible out there and I have to say man this show has turned out to be a, a gem a kind of a, a thing the last couple episodes and we i know we touched on episode one um now we're up to five but a lot of these episodes in the middle have kind of been you know just superhero of the week you know you get little arc things but you haven't really had any of those big moments and full spoilers if you haven't watched invincible yet so make sure you check out you, you're caught up to at least five before because we're going to go deep dive here into five here in a second a lot of these middle episodes have been you know, story of the week, monster of the week, bad guy of the week. And then you have little like sprinkles of arc of them trying to figure out with Omni-Man and the murder of the guardians and what, what's going on, who knows what, and what that bigger picture looks like. But this fifth episode, even though it still had the feel of a, you know, crime of the week month, bad guy of the week episode, there was so much more drops that were with Omni-Man's wife, who was really discovering some clues and seeing something, really almost a confirmation of Omni-Man and what he knows and what he doesn't. Um, that final battle, like, I mean, this episode, I know I told you to watch it before we recorded, yeah. and you even heard people say this is one of the greatest superhero things they've ever seen, but I mean... What did you think of this episode, man? Yeah, man, episode five of Invincible. Pretty strong entry there. Uh, like you said, it did have the feel uh, at the beginning that this might turn out to just be another um, <clears throat> villain of the week kind of a thing that introduced Machine Head. And uh, and it kind of felt like he could be just like the, the villain that we're dealing with this week. And yeah. there might be another one next week. But... Uh, the focus on Titan mm-hmm. character voiced by Mahershala Ali, who we had earlier in this series as kind of just a passing character that invincible got to beat up. Yeah. Uh, this developing into like his episode and he's a central theme of it was really cool. And, uh, the, like you said, the fight scene at the end, uh, is just went back to insanity, like levels to the, of insanity, like up to, standing ground with what happened in episode one just the craziness and the brutality and and stuff that you you are now aware that this show can do but you're still like half not expecting it to go down that way like the way they just brutalized some of the characters who were in this new guardians of the globe was just like insane and 
and the beating that Invincible took. I mean, we know he's super strong and stuff, but like, there's a there's a point in there when he got totally beat down by I think the 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 villain's name I looked is like Battle Beast or something like yeah. close to that. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but uh, I was like, he could is he dead? Like, did they I, kill? I thought he was dead. Yeah. Like when it happened, like they were doing this big giant battle, and Battle Beast just like picked up this hammer and just fuck just smashed this hammer down on invincible and uh that's the first accidental f-bomb that slipped out uh but he slammed this hammer blood splatters on his face he's licking his lips with the blood and i was like i I, like yelled and i was like they just killed the main character of this show i i thought he was dead he had a hole in his stomach like yeah and i'm still not even convinced he isn't dead you know like right it was crazy. And then that battle continued. Like that was the beginning of that battle going off the rails. And yeah, yeah, they did it in the first episode, but all the other battles were just kind of existing and they were just there and they were mostly showing like civilian casualties around the side and you were just kind of watching it. And then Mm -hmm. right here, we were back in this giant battle where people are just getting their heads smashed and like people were, I mean, heroes, superheroes were pretty much being murdered and killed. And I don't know who's going to survive. And just that level of unpredictability is just what really, I think, makes this show a little special. Yeah, it's it's totally uh, you. You can't go in knowing that you're whoever you're rooting for, the hero you're rooting for is going to make it like in any other thing. If you're watching a Spider-Man or a Batman or something, you're like, well, they can't kill him. He's Spider-Man. They can't kill him. He's Batman. This is like. Nobody, it seems like nobody is off limits. Uh, it's totally, totally crazy, man. It, it's been really good. One thing that really uh, I noticed in this episode is we're seeing the further, um, I don't want to call it descent, but like we're getting to know more that Omni-Man really has something in him that is like not what he presents to the world. Like this, this guy is the father of invincible mark and he basically sat there and watched this whole fight go down like he he they showed him up in the air like in the beginning stages of the fight and then even after mark gets totally like brutalized and on death's door and is dying laying there he he looked up and saw omni-man floating there and you know called for his dad and then the next thing you know he's gone so he sat there and watched this whole thing i think you know he it's probably going to end up he's trying to teach Mark a lesson about how serious this is, but he's also, man, just like a regular dad who cares about their son doesn't just do that. Like I was waiting for a point where like, okay, this is kind of going sour. Omni-Man's about to bust through this door and, you know, start whooping ass and take care of things and like bail Mark out. But he never did that. He let the whole thing play out to the point of, you know, superheroes dying or close to dying and Mark close to dying. It was just, it was crazy, man. I loved it. Yeah. The Omni-Man thing, they're really turning the central mystery into something, you know, of it was, it was kind of like you watched him murder the guardians of the globe in the first episode. And of course, who's controlling him or why are they doing this? Cause you're falling back on your normal superhero animated tropes of this is normally how these things go. And now the deeper we're going into this, and especially as his wife is kind of unraveling this mystery, there's more to it. And it really seemed like something triggered once Mark got his powers. As we mentioned when we talked about the first episode, Mark 
said, hey, you know, I got my powers. And he was all excited. And, and Omni-Man was not excited about that. And the next thing you know, after his kid got the powers, he murdered all the Guardians of the Globe. Right. And then now he's trying to cover that up, you know, and trying to, and he's just off since that something happened when Mark got his powers that now he just can't do. And yeah, now, like I said, he kind of let all these other people get killed, including his own son. Yeah. To try to do this. Um, And the other thing that we learned in this episode was that Cecil, who's in charge of something, I can't remember. Yeah, the, the, I don't remember the exact name. It escapes me. But yeah, we know, we know who you're talking about. Cecil. Cecil's in charge of kind of the superheroes in a, in a way. He's kind of like their manager. He's and like a government liaison kind of. A, there you go. For them, yeah. Yeah. And Cecil seemed like the last couple episodes that he's aware that Omni-Man had something to do with. Like he's not buying a story that Omni-Man doesn't re- remember or doesn't know. He's fully aware and he's kind of playing this like long game of trying to figure out why. But in this episode, we really figured out that he was he's trying to figure out how to destroy Omni-Man. And he took a vial of Invincible's blood and showed that they're doing study trying to figure out how to destroy the blood. Yeah. And how to destroy Invincible and Omni-Man because they don't want to confront him. You can't confront it. What do you do when you have this unstoppable superhero god how you how do you accuse him of murder how do you i mean you don't want to piss him off so you you can't have that guy go off the rails and like uh have you accusing him of that because you know he could kill everybody so yeah yeah, you can't stop him so you can't until you can stop him you can't you can't play those cards right and I'm, i'm i'm afraid that his wife is gonna trigger something like i that's gonna get ugly really fast yeah uh the the wife stuff she's she's getting closer and closer to finding out the truth and you can already tell in her like um interaction with him is not the same she and and i think he's starting to suspect that she's starting to suspect you know it's one of those things and yeah and who's gonna flinch right somebody's somebody's gonna reveal their hand soon enough and like you said, Cecil, it's kind of like if we're comparing Omni-Man to Superman, it seems like he's trying to make his version of Kryptonite. Like he yep. needs he needs something that is going to be able to protect them when this shit finally hits the fan. Right. He, he knows it's going to, but it's like, well, when it does, I have to have a way where we're not all going to die because of this guy. So, yeah, it's crazy. it's it's layered, man. It is layered. I'm really enjoying that. And then I even enjoyed where it seemed like this whole episode was really just about Titan and being, you know, he's working for Machine Head and he's just, you know, a guy with a family who wants to take care of them, got in over his head. Now he's just doing stuff. And you're following all of this just kind of, you know, oh, man, that sucks for for Titan. And you really they're really building you up to like him and to do all these things. And then you kind of hit the end. After after he convinced Invincible to join to figure out to help him to to stop Machine Head and was showing Invincible how important it is to look at the ground, look at the ground, look at the people that are hurting and dying every day. Don't you know, you need to get out of the sky. And then when we get to the end of this episode, we realize that Titan was behind all of it to get Machine Head out so he could become the new kingpin, the new boss and just really become kind of. Invincibles, I can imagine big bad. Like I can imagine him being his Lex Luthor, his kingpin, his you know, and I, that was just awesome. It was just a way to bring the story of the week into to mean something, and I just think that was super. That was a super cool thing I didn't see coming. 
Yeah, it was uh, the the Titan stuff was definitely great. It, they made that character complex in a in a character like you said. We were thinking that was just going to be a small bit in a little bit of an episode is just like a henchman type of guy uh, really made him more complex and in, in the stuff with his family and the reasoning behind him doing it. Yeah, that was compelling stuff. Uh, his power set is totally cool too. Like the first, was that the first scene of the episode where he uh, is totally just bashing through those uh, drug, drug lords? They're all shooting him and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They were shooting him. And I originally thought he was going to be like, have uh, impenetrable skin, kind of like a Superman or or somebody like that. But the bullets were still hitting the rock, and then like you could see him underneath. I was like, oh man, that's so cool! But and it would like regenerate. Yeah. But he's got like super strength, and he had no problem just like punching through people's faces either. Uh, yeah, that was that was totally a cool character. I'm I'm into it. Yeah, it it was a great episode. It's turning out to be another great show. I don't know. Did you did you did you catch how many episodes this one is? Most of the I, Amazon ones are like 10 episodes. I think we're probably yeah. going to get 10 out of this. Um, yeah. Eight to 10, I would imagine. I Because, you yeah, know, the boys it, is what, 10? Yeah, I think the boys was 10. I could see 10. I did look look up the amount of episodes before, but I, it's escaping me right now. But I think, yeah, eight, eight to 10, I think, is something like that. Now, it, it feels like they have a ton more story left to do, like, to get through before this season Oh, yeah. I think we're I think just like with Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think we just hit our moment where now like everything's about to hit the fan and we're right. we're heading home. Uh, so now, did you notice the Easter egg with the high school? Yeah. Tell me. Tell me why that high school is named Reginald Vell Johnson High. Yeah. And the principal is voiced by Reginald Vell Johnson and his name is Principal Winslow. <laughs> like that's so so these creators just love family matters from back in the day is urkel is urkel coming like what yeah. <laughs> that, that cracked me up i noticed it in the previous episode that that's what the high school was named and then i saw it again and i was like they totally named the high school after yeah. reginald vell johnson and then all of a sudden the next scene he's principal Wins- winslow and it was that same dude's voice and i was like what is going on yeah, that that was hilarious. I I did notice in the first episode when they showed the school called Reginald Vell Johnson yeah. High. I was like, well, is that just some? That's random. That's just like weird, funny. I don't know if we ever get a uh, Robert Kirkman on as a guest or something. We can ask him yeah. if he's a big fan of Family Matters. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's funny. Principal Winslow, they mixed it in there. That was that was a good gag right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the, those who don't know, Reginald Vell Johnson was Carl Winslow on the TGIF sitcom. Family Matters with Steve Urkel. I'm sure everybody knows that, but just for those for who our, don't, for our younger for, for our younger viewers, maybe it's before your time. But uh, Family Matters is a thing that happened. It's a cultural and uh, and you and you've seen Die Hard. He was in right, Die Hard. Right. Everyone's seen Die Hard. So, and if you haven't seen Die Hard, go watch Die Hard. He's always a cop, but I guess now he's graduated to being a principal. And I looked it up, too. He voices a couple because he also voiced the scientist working on the blood at the end of the episode. I didn't know that. But when I heard his voice, I was like, it sounds like him. I was like, yeah, "Yeah, that's crazy. So then I thought for a second that the principal was I'm like, was that the principal? But when I looked up his like voice credits, it shows that he voiced the uh, uh, I have it right here. He voiced he voices the principal, a scientist and one other character. Um, Yeah. Like, yeah, he voices, uh, just went, skipped right past it. Yeah, the principal scientist and then the tether tyrant, whatever that is. So he voices a couple 
a couple things because we do have robot who's running around trying to put together the guardians and now he went to the twins the clone twins and he's doing something so we got a whole other story arc over there we didn't even touch on but i don't even know where that one's going yeah he's i like that voice acting cast too uh zachary kinto he's doing a great job with that role oh god that is god man the show is so good if you're not watching it i mean you probably aren't listening this far but Yeah. If you're if you're just have zero interest and you're still listening, it's it's actually it's turning out to be a really surprise sleeper hit in my eyes. And I'm 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 all in on this one. And even I'm the fact that I've caught up with five episodes, I'm watching them now as they drop. I'm it's it's becoming must see for me, man. Yeah, you could uh raise the geek two thumbs up on this one for those of you who are on the fence about it. Uh definitely a show that you can pair with Falcon and Winter Soldier just to have, like, the geekiest Friday that you can imagine. Uh, if you want to watch them both, yeah, like, it makes weekend watching right now pretty pretty special. All right, man. I think it's time for us to let everyone know what we're geeking out on that they might want to check out. Um, lots of, you know, obviously weekly basis, all kinds of stuff happens, but man, what, what's, what are you geeking out on this week? What's got your, what's got you interested, intrigued? Where are you at? I'm done talking. (laughs) Uh, Definitely. What I'm, uh, what I've been geeking out on this week is, uh, I read issue 15 of something is killing the children. It's a comic book, um, from boom, boom studios written by James Tinian and illustrated by Werther Deladera. Uh, I've been reading this series uh, since the first issue, so just finished 15. And uh, it's just a series I kind of wanted to touch on for those who don't know. Uh, This is a horror book, um, and I just think it's really great. I wanted to bring it up because I think this is a book that everybody should check out if you haven't been already. Uh, just to kind of give it a little background, it, like I said, it's a horror comic. It takes place uh, in a town called Archer's Peak, and kind of the, the the brief synopsis of it is in this town, which is just like a, a middle America, regular suburban town, but a lot of the children have been going missing. Uh, most of them don't return. You see like the flyers up around town, like this kid is gone and this kid is gone. And it's getting really bad. And uh, kids who do eventually return who've been missing, they have, like, stories, like, traumatizing stories of what happened to them, like, that there's these dark creatures that live in the woods who of this town who've been, basically, they say, like, killing these kids, and um, the adults of the town don't really believe that because they just sound like children's stories, but to the kids, this is all real. And uh, we, we kind of have this mysterious stranger come into town. Uh, her name is Erica Slaughter, and she's um, someone who everyone is suspicious about. She's like an outsider, you know, one of those stories, like an outsider comes into a town where it's close knit and everybody knows each other. But she comes in and she's basically here to get to the bottom of what's going on. And it, uh, not getting spoilery, but it turns out she is from like a society of these monster hunters who can see these monsters that the kids can see that adults can't see. And she's here to kind of like get to the bottom of this and save the, save the town, save the kids. Uh, there's another character that's introduced pretty early that she meets 
uh, named James, who is like a survivor of one of these attacks where all his friends die or go missing. And um, I don't know, man, this is just a great book. Uh, usually I'm a big fan of superhero comics, but every now and then a comic will come along that's like uh, different and original. And I feel like this book's really uh, fits in line with that. Like I said, it's a horror book. So fans of horror comics, this would be right up your alley. This was originally only planned to be a five issue series, but mm -hmm. like I said, they're only, they're already on 15. So like the love and criticism or not criticism, but like the, the praise for this book has pushed it up into up to a ongoing series, which I really think it deserves. Uh, there's been rumors that it could be adapted to something eventually, because I think Netflix, I know we talked about Netflix earlier. They they came to a deal with Boom Studios to kind of adapt mm -hmm. some of their stuff. Nice. So yeah, man, the the uh, it's got a lot of cool action. It's drawn really well. Uh, it's got a dark tone. So yeah, definitely pick this up for fans of uh, horror comics and just great storytelling. I Something. I love Boom Studios. Um, okay. I don't know they they have a lot of cool books. I know there was one. Uh, what was that one? Grass something. Grassroots or grass. You remember that one? Yeah, I, I know what you're talking God, about. God, I can't remember what it's called and it's going to drive me crazy. And I just teased everyone with something. I loved that book. And yeah. that one was up. It was all, all the art was watercolor and it was gorgeous. Um, I heard about something is killing the children, but it was after it was already started and I couldn't find, I couldn't find the beginning. Yeah. Um, so I've had that one on my list for uh, trade. To try I mean, to catch I, up. I think, it's I, think up the volume, I think the volume one is out now. You could probably grab that. It looks like there's two out. Volume one and two are out now. Yeah, so definitely check those out, everybody. You too, Chris. Check I it know. Out. It's it's 100% <laughs> on my list because I stumbled into that. And I do – I gravitate more towards – those types of comics like i don't the superhero ones i'll read certain ones and i'll kind of grab the ones that are really good and i always usually have a batman going on or i like as we've talked about the grounded heroes but right. i really love the i love the stories that are more odd a little right. bit more science fiction a little bit more horror -y, kind of the jeff lemire's you know i know i'm reading family mm -hmm. family tree and some of those yeah. ones that are just weird comics or a little bit more story like fantastical and just not as superhero-y but just more like let's tell a fantastic story in a unique yeah. way and this one yeah. definitely sounds up my alley what else you got man uh the other comic book that i kind of was into and wanted to talk about this week was the first issue of carnage black white and blood uh which is a comic i just picked up on a whim um wasn't planning to buy it but the cover kind of caught my eye it's like a it's a it's a cool cover if you haven't seen it it's just a great illustration of carnage and it says on the front cover that it's written by it's got about four different no, one, two, eight names on the on the issue, and usually, you know, you just have a writer and a artist. But flipping through it, this is split into three different Carnage stories, so I can't tell if that's how this book is gonna be, um, just like a collection of Carnage stories. But buying it, uh, I wasn't disappointed at all. Uh, the art is great. Like I said, it's called Carnage, Black, White, and Blood because this comic is done in black and white except for red is um, the only other color in the book. And the only time it's shown is if there's blood 
or Carnage himself is red and everything else is black and white. So it's definitely, definitely cool. The second story, the second of the three is the one that caught my eye the most. Uh, it's called End of the Trail, written by Benjamin Percy. And uh, I think he's, I'm pretty sure he's the current writer of Wolverine. And the artist is Sarah Pacelli, who most will know as the um, artist who helped create Miles Morales, Spider-Man, with, along with Brian Michael Bendis. That's what she's most known for. Uh, but this story was really cool, man. It's uh, it, it's kind of going back in the past, and it's um, this hunt back to cowboy times. It, it seems like, and it's the sheriff who's hunting. You can tell Carnage because they're showing Carnage went through this town and killed a bunch of people, and he uh, he like possessed people to kill. That's you know, if you know how symbiotes work, that's how they work. Like the symbiote will fuse to a person. And that's how Venom works, and that's also how Carnage works. Uh, but yeah, man, the art is great. It's like the sheriff tracking carnage through these fields and he like narrates the whole story. And uh, towards the end, they have this big battle where it's a regular man shooting his uh, old cowboy gun at carnage. And he knows it's not going to work, but he's like, I have to do this anyway. I have to put an end to this and I won't spoil the ending of it for those who want to read, but definitely recommend checking it out carnage black white and blood uh number one i think number two is coming this could have been a standalone book but i guess there's going to be more so that's cool i'm definitely looking forward to uh reading more i know there's a big carnage event coming in um for marvel comics too i just read about called like maximum carnage that kind of spins spins out of uh the king and black story they just did so i mean me and you have always had an interest in Venom and Carnage. We we played that Super Nintendo game forever. Separation Anxiety. That's what it was called, Separation. Wasn't there a second one, too, called, like, Maximum Carnage? They did Maximum Carnage, I think, was the first one. Because I remember right. the Genesis cartridge was red. And yeah, then they and did the Separation Nintendo. Anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, we used to play the hell out of that game, man. One Two-player game, one of you Spider-Man, the other one's Venom, and you're, like, fighting... Uh, Carnage and all the other symbiotes that are like his sisters, sisters and brothers. And that's this book I just saw coming feels like it's dealing with that. It's like all the other symbiotes too. So it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm hoping this book maybe will uh, uh, reignite my interest in the character. So maybe I'll be able to follow along with that event. Be yeah. Cool. And uh, just besides that, just briefly, the other thing that I was, uh, looking at this week is a little backstory. My wife, Melanie has always been into one of her favorite shows is top chef on Bravo. This is a show nice. that I'm sure a lot of people know it's a cooking competition show. Uh, like probably one of the first ones that a lot of other shows have like taken their cues from like all the Gordon Ramsay stuff that came after like hell's kitchen. They all owe uh, their creation to top chef, I guess. <clears throat> and, uh, I never myself wanted to watch it. That was just kind of her show like that she has. I have my shows. She has her shows. This year, uh, she convinced me that I should give it a try. And I was like, you know what? Why not? This is quarantine 2020. I'll try anything. It's 2021 now. I know what year, I know what year it is. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I decided that I would give it a try. And, man, I'm in. I'm in on Top Chef. It's a fun, uh, it's a, it's a fun competition show. I mean, I like some shows like that every now and then. And I like food and cooking. So why wouldn't I like this show? Uh, it's well done. Uh, really well done show. 
uh, hosted by Padma. I don't, I can't think of her last Lock, name, but Locky. Yeah, yeah. Lockie. You know, she's pretty easy on the eyes too, so that's a part of it. it doesn't hurt. Does that doesn't hurt? But uh, yeah, I mean, the show just makes me hungry, and that's not always a bad thing. So yeah, I'm down with Top Chef this season. Top Chef is a show, man. I've I've watched a lot of the seasons of that. I'm excited that they got a new one. Um, one of the things that I think that that show stands out versus other ones is that everybody on that show can cook. Right. Like you don't have you don't have those people like you watch Hell's Kitchen or you watch that. You got all those ones that are just there. You know, American Idol, the Crash TV. You know, you have those people that are there to fail. And yeah. Top Chef doesn't really have that. Yeah, there's some people you know won't make it to the end, but all those people can cook, and they show you that they can. And it's like, it truly is Top Chef. Like, they try really hard. They, most of the people on that show are all, especially now, it used to not be that way, but now it's definitely, like, most of them are already, like, triple award winners before they even come on the show. They've already won, like, Beard Awards, so they've already worked with celebrity or famous chefs. They've already, like... These are top. These they they are top chefs. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what it seemed like. You could see every time they bring up the contestants, they have like their name and what restaurant they own or already the executive chef for. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's not like you said other shows where it's like beginners and you know the, the, you can home cooks point, or <laughs> yeah, you can point out the people who you know are going to get eliminated right away on shows like that. Like this guy sucks. Like nobody sucks. So it, it's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's like top level, top level stuff. So yeah, um definitely interested and going to be watching this season nice nice i'm excited to hear how that goes i wish i had tv i wish they'd put it on hulu i'd watch it in a heartbeat <laughs> right all right man well i'm geeking out this week on professional wrestling it's a pastime of mine that i've never been able to let go and i never grew out of it for whatever reason <laughs> and this weekend starting in about Three hours is WrestleMania. WrestleMania is two nights this year. It's the first show in 13 months with a crowd. They're going to have 25,000 people tonight and 25,000 people tomorrow at Raymond James Stadium, where the Super Bowl was held earlier in the year. It's WrestleMania season, so this week has been wrestling all over. I watched NXT did their takeover, their stand and deliver show on Wednesday night and Thursday night. It was also a two-night event. Night one was amazing. If you've had any interest in professional wrestling in the past, uh, the WWE Network has now moved to Peacock. So all of their pay-per-views now are on Peacock. Their network is closed down. It's all moved. So all their old episodes of Raw, all their old episodes of SmackDown, pay-per-views, WCW, ECW. If you watch wrestling in the 90s, you know what all of that means. And all of that content has now been shifted over to Peacock um, outside of anything controversial. They've been pulling out all kinds of anything that's been controversial in wrestling, which means the whole attitude area is going to be gone because I can't imagine any of that being PC today. No. <laughs> but um, just been watching a lot of wrestling this week. And like I said, night one of the NXT Stand and Deliver show was awesome. Like the matches they had in there were great. Um, they had the, the UK championship match with Alt Walter, who has been the UK heavyweight champ for 730 days. He's been over two years that this dude's been the champ, and he's been unstoppable. And he had this match with Tommaso Ciampa where they just – Walter is this big dude who just – everything he does looks real. And you know hurts. And his, one of his big moves is that he does a chop. And you know what a chop is. You slap on someone's chest. Right. This dude does it in a way that literally leaves handprints. And usually by the end of every match, people, I mean, their chest is just ground beef. Like, it's nasty. And everything that he does looks like it hurts. 
And I swear, like, there's just no. And at one point, he lays this dude on this table and he goes to chop him. And the dude moves. He puts his hand through the table. He chopped that hard that he put his hand through this table. And yeah, you could say, oh, table's rigged or what? No, man, that was plywood. You could see it breaking (laughs) out. He put his hand through this table and uh, it was awesome. And if, like I said, you have Peacock and you're anywhere remotely interested, that first night was awesome. But then WrestleMania, unfortunately, by the time you hear this, it'll already happen, but you could still go back and watch. But I'm totally geeking out on on wrestling this weekend, uh, including they have a lot of cool documentaries. And Stone Cold Steve Austin hosts his Broken, Broken Skull Sessions, which he has Chris Jericho on Sunday night, which is crazy for those who don't know, because Chris Jericho is in a rival company right now an AEW wrestling promotion. So to have Chris Jericho from AEW on a WWE documentary interview show, I know Don used to watch wrestling. You know, that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Inter inter wrestling mingling is like taboo doesn't happen. So I, I I'm like, uh, for those who don't know, I'm a lapsed wrestling fan where uh, unlike Chris, I have kind of let it go. Uh, but you know, I still do pay attention to like the news or when something big happens, uh, that's like when something's trending. Yeah. When something's trending, you can't not see it. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, uh, seeing that, you know, back in the day, something like that would have never happened. You would have never had, you know, sting come on to, uh, you know, a WWE performance or like be in the same ring as the undertaker at the same time. This is something that like, you know, to me, stone cold is like the face maybe not the current face of WWE, but you'll always associate with WWE. So bringing in a guy from a rival rival um, organization is just unheard of to this point. Yeah. And that, that, that he's actively there. So I'm really interested to see what they touch on in that interview tomorrow. Uh, so definitely, like I said, you have Peacock and if you have any interest, it's a lot of cool stuff to check out, especially if you, uh, are a lapsed fan as you are. Um, there's probably yes. a lot of cool stuff if you go digging through Peacock. Um, one of the things that I've been really watching heavy, we fell into is Justified on Hulu. I know you sure. watched Justified when it was on. It was a, it was an FX show. It's the whole run is on Hulu right now. They did about six seasons with Timothy Oliphant as a U.S. Marshal in Kentucky, and uh, Walton Goggins is on it as Boyd Crowder. And since I watched that show, I love that man. Like. Yeah. Everything he's done since, it's just I'm glued to it. When he pops up in something, he's one of those actors that when he pops up in stuff, I'm happy. And when I see his name in the credits, he's I go to projects. I see Walton Goggins on that. Yeah, I'm watching that. Um, and it's from Justified. And that show is very – it's very – if you've watched it on HBO, and I know you have, Deadwood. Yeah. It definitely almost seems like they were like, we want to make Deadwood, but we want to put it in present-day Kentucky. And most of the actors, like almost every actor who's on Deadwood has popped up so far on Justified in one way or another. It's very Western-y with the marshals and stuff. With with like a modern twist, right? Yeah, it's just a super good show. Like, it's just just a phenomenal show. Like I said, I'm in the later season now where Michael Rappaport's showing up and ruining it with his terrible Kentuckian accent. And. Um, this season is season five is, 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 is a little rough, but it's funny. I like the writing. It's just a great show. If you enjoy that type of, I guess a little bit macho programming, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but yeah, Timothy Oliphant and it's just, it's just an awesome show. And if you're just looking for something easy to watch that just has a good story and makes you laugh, it's just, a, it's honestly one of my top shows. Like, yeah, I, I have a lot of good memories about that show, man. That was like some must see TV. Uh, 
Timothy Oliphant is perfect in that role. Yep. And I I think I've even seen somewhere recently that did you see something that it's coming back? There's something coming back with him. Yeah, our uh, buddy Tony shared us a tweet that something oh, came right. out that he's in talks. He's in talks to basically come back in that role in another because the original show was based on a short story by Elmore Leonard, who right. wrote a lot of books on this character, his Raylan Givens character. But then he also wrote like Get Shorty that was made into a movie with John Travolta, which is one of my favorite movies. The movie's amazing. Um, he wrote Be Cool, which was the sequel, which is not as amazing. He wrote uh, Out of Sight was a movie with George Clooney and uh, Jennifer Lopez. He wrote another movie book that turned into a movie with... Uh, the big bounce with Owen Wilson bringing him back around. Yeah. Uh, but he was very like detective noir caper, you know, his, his movie, anything that was made from an Elmore Leonard novel was gold when it, it translated very well to TV and it had a style and justified falls into that. So apparently they're going to adapt another one of his stories that they're basically trying to bring Timothy Oliphant back as Raylan, even though it's not a Raylan story, they think they can twist it and make that character be the focal point. And, you know, retouch it now 10, 12 years later. And I'm, I'd am i be down, I mean, in a heartbeat. I wouldn't even need to be convinced. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see that character brought back to a new project. That'd be fantastic. I'd be and, down from day one for that. And he came back to do that Deadwood movie 10 years yeah. after that, you know, show got pre prematurely canceled. Right. And if you watch Deadwood, as long as you can handle language... That yeah. show is amazing. If you cannot handle language in any way, <laughs> right. don't watch Deadwood. Right. But and it's and and if anyone walks in the room while you're watching Deadwood, they're going to be like, "What are you watching?" Because like it's just the language. I, you've never seen anything like it. It desensitizes you to so many words that they yeah. say constantly. It's crazy, but uh, it's still a great show. Yeah, if, if you're a young person, don't watch this in like your parents' house with them no. walking around. You're going to be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be in trouble. They're going to want to know because if you're not watching it, none of it. You just hear you just hear profanity. But when you're when you're watching it, you hear what they're saying behind the profanity. If it's that true. makes sense. It's and true. yeah, Deadwood was a masterpiece. That but Timothy Oliphant showed up ten years later, so they could close that story in a movie on HBO. So why not come back and give us some more Raylan Givens? I would be down with that. Uh, the last thing I want to touch on is that the Avengers PS4 game hit PlayStation Now this uh, week. Which, for those who don't know, PlayStation Now is kind of like a subscription service, kind of like Netflix for gaming, where they give you so many games a month that you can play. You can download or stream them. And uh, they just have a rotating catalog like Netflix of stuff that you can play and you can sign up. Well, I signed up for Black Friday. They were doing a deal where it was like 44 bucks for a year subscription. So I was like, yeah, what the hell? Give me a bunch of games. I don't have to buy games. I'll stream some stuff. I've used it very sparingly, but this week they announced on Wednesday Marvel's Avengers, which is a game Don and I have been talking about, was going to be available till July 5th on this service. So I was like, this is a perfect time for me to jump in, play the single-player campaign, see what this game's about, see if I want to actually spend money on it or not. And I played the first couple hours of the single-player campaign, and it's kind of awesome. <laughs> like, the single-player campaign is exactly what I wanted from Avengers game. You know, I know a lot of the headlines and everything turn into... You know, the multiplayer, the live service aspect, the, you know, lack of content. But the single player so far has been solid. You're, you're following as a Kamala Khan, you know, Miss Marvel, and just kind of following her as a stargaze lover of the Avengers. And the way that they're doing it is, like, heartwarming. And 
so far. I'm really enjoying the story and where they're going, and I'm excited to push through the single-player campaign. Whether or not there's enough post-game for me to spend money, buy the game, keep playing past the July 5th when I lose access to it. Um, now, for anybody who's interested, the PlayStation Now version is only the PS4 version. They have released a PS5 version in the last couple of weeks. So you, can only, you can't play the PS5 version for part of this subscription. You would need to buy the PS5 version. So you just if that bothers you, right now it's not bothering me. I'm going to play the PS4 version until July 5th. And when it goes away, if I'm in, I'll buy the PS5 version and be happy then. But uh, they are also currently running a free seven-day trial for PlayStation Now, trying to get you in. And as long as you have an internet connection to handle it and you want games it's i'm I'm enjoying what i've played of it i haven't played enough of it to make you know my money worth it but if i dump some hours in avengers it might just be worth it right there yeah the differences in the graphics between ps4 and ps5 right now are kind of negligible so playing a ps4 game doesn't feel like you're playing an old super dated game to this point at this point right now so for those who do have a ps5 i would say still ps4 games are totally still worth playing oh, yeah. on they play better because like i said i was right. playing control which was almost unplayable on my ps4 and it's yeah. like a masterpiece on this ps5 it's just yeah. amazing in the difference so well yeah totally i mean us knowing each other as long as we have we take each other's uh recommendations and and uh ideas about things that are good to heart so hearing you say the good things about avengers is uh good news to me because that is gives me more of a reason to give it a shot like i was on the fence about the game we both were from the beginning uh but i mean if you say the single player is fun man i'm willing, so willing so far it. i've been having fun with it the heroes feel good they do feel better than the beta the beta i played i wasn't as impressed and i wrote some articles on cbr about it so you can go check those out but cheap plug but they uh it it felt it feels good i'm having fun with the single player especially with it being on ps now i mean find your week get your free trial put some hours into the single player campaign and see what you think and then if you want to just buy the game and not even stay subscribed to ps now you can still do that you know but it, it right. gives you at least a kind of a if you just look at it as a rental for avengers and find a decent week where you can at least put a couple hours into it I think it's a worthwhile thing. Uh, then, you know, you could check around and see if there's other things that makes PlayStation now worth it. Um, like I said, I just did a year just because it was 40 bucks and why not for 40 bucks for a year just seemed there. Sure. I wanted to play. They have a bunch of like PS2 and PS3 games in there. So I was playing Arkham Origins and playing some other stuff. So um, back in the PS3 games, the games that I don't have. So it was uh I don't mind the 40 bucks for it, but, and now I got Avengers and I think I'll get my money's worth out of this, at least play through the campaign. But that's what I've been geeking out on yes. this week. Um, wrestling justified in Avengers. So it's a random mix of, <laughs> of <Man>. things. <clears throat> One thing I wanted to add while we're on the topic of geeking out on, and you mentioned wrestling. Uh, I just wanted to read this one thing I saw online about, uh, Dwayne Johnson this this just came out seven hours ago from um the time we're recording this but for those who don't know Dwayne Johnson the rock uh iconic wrestler biggest movie star in the world whatever but he's super active on social media he uh he had a post 
that he reposted an article from Newsweek on his Instagram that said 46% want Dwayne The Rock Johnson as president. And he reposted this and it said at least 46% of Americans would support a presidential run of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, according to a new poll. And this is uh, in his what he wrote about it. It says humbling, and then it had like the the prayer emoji and the mind blown emoji. And he says, "I don't think our founding fathers ever envisioned a six four bald, tattooed, half black, half Samoan, tequila drinking, pickup driving, fanny pack wearing guy joining their club. But if it ever happens, it'd be my honor to serve you, the people, with an American flag and like the strong symbol." What I get from this, Dwayne Johnson's running for president someday. <laughs> Dude, he is. Like, I don't know why or how this happened in the world. Right. And you're throwing a curveball at me, but he just is. Like, he he has that show Young Rock that's on NBC. The whole premise of that show is him running for president. Yeah. That's the premise of that show is him running for president and telling stories to show how he's grounded to the people. That's what the premise of that show is. And then, like I said, now that's putting it out there. I mean, that you think that was on, that wasn't, I mean, of course there's always been teases of him running for president and people joking about it. Right. Like it was in the same conversation. I was like, that Oprah should run for president. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, the rock, but like he didn't, didn't Saturday Night Live do a Tom Hanks rock Dwayne Johnson ticket. Wasn't it like (laughs) Hanks, Hanks Johnson. Right. That would, get 100, that would get 100% of the American vote, by the way. But oh, uh, Yeah, if you don't vote on a Hanks Johnson ticket, I don't want to know who you are. Like, oh my come God. on. Come on. That's, that's funny to me, though. Like, him adding that part at the end saying, if the people wanted, it would be an honor to serve you. That means he's legit thought about it and is thinking about it. And it's not just like a internet viral thing that's going around. Like, he's actually thought about it and... I don't know. I just felt like I had to bring that up. That, no, that's crazy. What's crazy is I really do believe that that's going to happen. <laughs> like, it just really seems like that's the path of the world. Like, right. and it's just, it's, it's, a, it's an insane thought. It's yeah. not far-fetched. Obviously we've had, you know, celebrities and we've had movie stars and we've had these people be president yeah. before. Um, or even Arnold Schwarzenegger as governor. Who, who Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, no, yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger was governor. Jesse the Body Ventura was governor. So right. it's not far fresh. I know the Undertaker said he would vote for The Rock to be president, um, which is a crazy idea. <laughs> That's too. so funny. Yeah, the Undertaker came out from the grave and said, "I'd vote for The Rock." I mean, maybe he'll be vice. Maybe we'll have a Rock Undertaker twenty twenty. When's the next election? We just had one. Twenty twenty four. Yeah, maybe that'll be the ticket. Hey. <laughs> I, I i i don't know that would be crazy but i would probably vote for him uh, as well as 46 other percent of the country so that's gonna be crazy but that's how we're gonna wrap this show up because that just is hilarious and i need <laughs> i need to take a break and absorb that thought thinking the rock was gonna be president it gave you something to think about for the weekend something to you're, think about you're welcome, you're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. But that's going to wrap us up for issue four of the Raise the Geek podcast. Make sure you let us know if you want to join the conversation or what you think or what you want to hear us talk about on the show. Uh, shoot us an email at raisethegeek at gmail.com. Send us a comment. You know, Share, retweet, follow us over on Raised a Geek at Twitter. And definitely make sure you are rating and reviewing us on wherever you're listening to us right now. 
shooting us those five stars really helps us out and helps get the show out there. So definitely drop those reviews. You leave us some good comments. We'll read them on the show. So make sure you uh, be the first to jump out there because we haven't read anybody yet. And, you know, you don't want someone else to beat you to it. So make sure you're, you be the first one that we're going to read because I can feel one coming. I can feel one coming. So definitely make sure you check that out. Most definitely. You guys got it on you. Send in those comments. Send in those thoughts. We appreciate it. We believe you. If you have you disagree with anything that we said, use those outlets to reach out to us and join the conversation. I'm, I'd be super excited to hear from some of you guys. But until next time, I'm Chris. And I'm done. Thanks for listening to the Raised a Geek podcast. Where we all speak geek.